Welcome to the Servants Feast Christian Ministry Podcast with Rev. Elizabeth Moreau. Elizabeth wrote the From Call to Sent Discipleship series that includes six books and two retreats for the intellectual and spiritual development of Christians in the local church. In Elizabeth's From Called to Sent series, she often tells us there is more. Christianity is so much more than just attending church and Sunday school. The riches of our faith are beyond what we can hope or imagine. Jesus tells us that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Elizabeth passionately teaches the treasures of Christian life to the end that we grow and mature and experience an abundant life in Christ. Her reflections on topics and issues of the day always point to Jesus with the purpose of advancing his kingdom. She desires for us all to understand the deep and rich heritage we inherit from the historic and universal church. In Romans, Paul tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With this thought, let us continue our journey of transformation and renewal as Elizabeth shares her teaching through this podcast. Alrighty, welcome to our latest podcast. This is Elizabeth, and um, I want to start by just saying I appreciate you and the gift of your time as you listen to this podcast. I'm grateful for you. All right, since we just celebrated July the 4th, um, what we're going to talk about today are uh, is the, about the nature of freedom. What does freedom mean? What is freedom? Freedom is a central theme in Christianity. It's very important to Christian faith and Christian life. And the general purpose of this podcast, right, is to take a look at our ideas, the ideas that shape and form us, and then compare those with what is Christian, all right? How does that shape up to what is Christian? Because our ideas originate from someplace. Do they originate from Scripture? Do they originate from the culture around us? And the ideas that we hold have consequences. In fact, there's a book by that, by that name. Richard Weaver wrote it, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. Um, I don't really remember, but ideas have consequences, if nothing else is true today, let us be clear that it is certainly the case that we are in the middle of a war of ideas in our culture. And the single most important thing for us to remember as Christians is that we want our minds to be shaped by the Holy Spirit. We want to be shaped by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to have ideas that are built on a solid foundation. We need to have kingdom ideas, but everything that we—but that's not always the case. We a lot of times we accept beliefs that just kind of come to us out of the culture, and we, everybody feels this way, and it's all kind of general. And we go forward with that, and we think that you know we're living a Christian life, and we may be living something entirely in contradiction to the gospel, without being without intending to do that at all. And that's especially true with the topic of freedom. Um, so that's our topic for the podcast today: freedom. The topic of freedom is really a challenge for us. When we speak of freedom, what are we talking about? What does it mean to be free? You know, this much is true. When Christians speak about freedom, they're talking about something very specific. There's a, freedom has a very specific meaning in Christianity. But before we go to that question, let's open with a word of prayer. I don't think we ought to try to pursue wisdom and knowledge without God, particularly not His wisdom and knowledge. Let's open with a word of prayer. Hear my prayer, Heavenly Father. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our, our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you in your Son, Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
The interesting thing is, I believe, is that we don't talk about freedom very much anymore. Um, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe everybody else is talking about it, and I'm not reading the right article or listening to the right news or something. I don't know. We There's a lot of talk about rights, what rights we have, but there's not so much talk about freedom. What is freedom? It's a complex topic, and I want you to know it's more complex than I thought. When I thought, I, I was like, hey, let's do this podcast. It'll be interesting. Hey, let me tell you, it's hard. It's a complex topic. But I think it's really important for us to think, and the further I delved into it, the more important that, you know, I really do think that it is important for us to take the time to think about it and think it all the way through. We need to understand what's going on in our lives, in us, around us, everything else. Now then recently a friend of mine said to me that um, I was talking about politics too much. Now that was in her opinion because she has different politics than I. I don't know, maybe she does, maybe I am, and that, but how much you know that, that that is, my intent is not political, not at all. Rather, what I want us to do is look at the environment in which we live, and that is necessarily shaped by politics because politics is how we order our lives. That's how we order the nation, how we order people. That's always been the case. It comes from the Greek word polis, right? The organization of the, the you know, city-state or whatever. Anyway, what we want to do is compare the influences in the environment around us with Christian faith and Christian belief and make sure that we fall down on the side of Christian faith and Christian belief and not on the side of culture, right? We are called to be Christian in this time and place, and, and we are to respond as Christians would respond, and we need to assess our circumstances and take a look at those and see these are the circumstances. What is Christian, right? I don't know. That's what I think, and so... Um, and that's especially true when we're talking about freedom, right? I do think we have a great deal at stake these days, and high up on that list is freedom, right? Uh, this matters because we take for granted lots of different things like the freedom, the right to worship. We have the freedom to worship, the freedom to speak freely, to share the gospel with anybody we want to. Those are That's what it means to be free. And as, as Jesus pointed out, he said, um, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? So we want to be able to share the gospel and speak freely. Actually, what Jesus said was more involved than that. He's, he was talking with some Jews who were um, pretty open to him and to his message. And, and he says to them, he says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, what's interesting about that is that according to Jesus, freedom is a dependent condition. It is dependent upon knowing the truth, right? nothing is more sharply contested today than truth, right? I mean, that's the whole issue of ideas. I mean, what, what constitutes truth? Well, our ideas will tell you all that. I mean, they're, they're very closely related, right? But I want us to hold on the idea uh, for that. I want us to hold on to that thought for a moment, right? Um, that Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free and that, that um, freedom is a dependent condition, dependent upon knowing the truth, right? Because we're going to return to that in the second half. I want us to think about freedom and how we understand that, about what it means to be free today in our nation, in this generation, in this place, in this time, right? And so the first thing I did was I researched and I compiled definitions of freedom. You know, uh, they're just taken from online dictionaries. You'll recognize the definitions quickly because, I mean, they're really commonplace. But um, anyway, they're easily fine. Merriam-Webster defines freedom as the state of being free from control or power of another um, being or entity or whatever. Free from control or power of another. Synonyms are autonomy, independence, liberty, self-determination, self-governance, and sovereignty. 
<laughs> I have to stop. Here's the side. This doesn't have anything to do with anything. But like they spelled, uh, uh, it spelled sovereignty, and then in parentheses it spelled sovereignty, S O V R A N T Y, as an alternative spelling for sovereignty. Right? <laughs> like going, have we become too stupid to spell correctly? Is that right? Because and a, and a, you know, they have an alternative spelling, sovereignty, S O V R A N T Y. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to spell the way it sounds and not how, it, you know, oh my goodness gracious, not even using the rules of basic spelling. That's amazing. Just throw that word out. That's not very good. That's too hard. Things like that make me crazy. We don't speak correctly either. And um, why bother speaking correctly? What's wrong? Who needs correct English? Let's just, you know, whatever. Anyway, another definition. On we go. Freedom. We're talking about freedom. We're not talking about English or grammar. All right. Cambridge English Dictionary defined freedom as the condition or right of being able to do, say, or think whatever you want without being controlled or limited. Wow, I think that's kind of impressive, don't you? I mean, I'm kind of amazed by that. You can do anything you want, say anything you want, and nobody can limit that. Wow. Okay. Um, then the American Heritage Dictionary, there's, we're kind of repeating ourselves now. The condition, it's, it's, it defines freedom as the condition of not being in prison or captivity. Well, that's kind of obvious. That's very good, freedom. Okay, but the second definition says the condition of being free of restraints, especially with the ability to act without control or interference by another or by circumstance. And I think that's just lovely, don't you? Now then, for purposes of clarification, can I just, you know, choose not to be bound by constraints? Because that's what they're saying, and that's a big argument that we have. They were not bound by constraints. So I'm going to choose not to be bound by the constraints of cholesterol and saturated fats. Can I do that? I want to do that. I mean, I have to tell you, I am not fond of those constraints in my life. And it doesn't stop, <laughs> that doesn't stop the doctor from just looking at me and going, you cannot eat that anymore. You, you must eat this and you can't eat that. I mean, she's seriously interfering in my actions and in my choices that I want to, be, that, that I want to make. Jesus tell me, no, you can do, you can't do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> the, the rules of cholesterol and saturated fat say you can't do that. Well, how rude, right? Apparently, I'm not, I'm not free. Anyway, well, at least I'm not free from that. Okay, these are the definitions of our time, in all seriousness, the definitions of freedom in our time. And they didn't come out of nowhere. They didn't just pop up, and they are by no means universal definitions. Um, if we're going to understand our ideas that, that form our minds, then it would be especially good um, if we take a look at um, the origins of these ideas. Do these ideas come from the scriptures? Or do these ideas help us know God, or do they prevent us from knowing God? Which is it? I, you know, so our ideas about freedom, right? They go all the way back to René Descartes, right? And René Descartes was uh, born in France, and he lived in the early 17th century. In fact, he died in 1650. Hang with me. I swear this will get interesting, or maybe not. But it's important to know anyway, right? Uh, because René Descartes is considered the founder of modern Western philosophy, and that is a very important position to hold, right? Now, the word philosophy comes from the Greek word that means love of wisdom. So basically, philosophy just refers to uh, the ideas that we think are correct or wise, you know, love that we, that we like those ideas that are wise and correct, right? And there is no doubt that Descartes was a brilliant man. He was a mathematician, he was a scientist, or he's a scientific theorist, I guess I should say, and uh, he was a philosopher, and it's this last category that we are most interested in. 
right? It's, it's most important to us. I will tell you that he invented, Descartes invented uh, analytical geometry, for example. He joined geometry and algebra together, and I took analytical geometry, and that is not interesting to us. Just saying. Yeah. Well, I thought it was kind of interesting, but it's probably, I couldn't explain it now. But anyway, the important thing about Descartes is that the philosophical method he used as he was thinking about the meaning of life and all that kind of stuff, about wisdom, what constitutes wisdom, the philosophical method he used broke with earlier thinkers. It especially broke uh, with Greek philosophers from which the Western heritage um, ostensibly came, right? Um, it began to, he began, Descartes made the argument that we should begin by doubting everything that came before us, right? He viewed all former knowledge, any inherited knowledge before himself, with suspicion. It's called a hermeneutic of suspicion, whatever. But, I mean, the point is that, you know, um, everything that everybody else has known forever, right, is to be doubted or questioned. We should look at it suspiciously. That really kind of boggles the mind when you think about it. That to, I, to me, that we're going to decide to stand in judgment of all prior wisdom and knowledge for centuries, every human being, everywhere, and we're going to sit back and think about it in ourselves and see what we think. Maybe we agree, and maybe we don't. Maybe we accept, and maybe we don't. Wow. No small hubris there, is there? You know, the, that's the philosophical method, method that Descartes used, and therefore, that is the philosophical method that shaped all Western thought. He is the founder of Western philosophy. Shaped all Western thought. It produced hyper-individualism. It's kind of impressive. Um, it's also, incidentally, the source of what C.S. Lewis asserted. I was talking about this last week. That he asserted uh, his assertion of chronological snobbery. Right? That we are smarter than everyone who's gone before us. Imagine that. Of course we're smarter. How could we not be? Because everybody else is, you know... We, we is suspect. All of their knowledge is suspect. Anything outside of ourselves, you know. It, this the, this philosophical method gave rise to new ways of thinking about human life, uh, to the self, uh, formed without any external obligations. You don't owe anything to your parents, and you don't owe anything to your children, right? It gave uh, from this general philosophy in the West, we find the definitions of freedom without restraint. There are no restraints. You can be anything you want, do anything you want, whatever, whatever you want. You have the right to be free and to do anything and be anything. And no one can naysay or stop you or do whatever. You're just perfectly free. You're an independent agent to do whatever you want. Now then, when we understand freedom in this manner, the importance of this is that we understand human choices in this light. We can Understand where we are as a nation today, all the divisions, all the conflict that we have. Think about all the circumstances that restrain us, from the family in which, for, into which you were born, to the town where you live, the geography, even down to the gender with which you were born, those sorts of things. No one has the right to restrain or constrain any individual from any desire or wish that he or she has. You know, And if we're going to be self-determining, then guess what? Not even God has the right to tell us how to live. Wow. Wow. I don't know that Descartes would have agreed with that comment. Um, I'm not, he certainly believed in God. He was a very devout Catholic. He had some, some of his philosophical ideas came into conflict with the Catholic Church, but he was a devout Catholic, and, and he, he was uh, a believer. He certainly believed in God and was faithful to the Church. But Descartes also believed that all reality lies within the self. All reality lies within the self. Can we not see in these ideas the seeds of where we are today? 
I mean, there is a straight line from Descartes and his claim that all reality lies within the self to the definitions of freedom, you know, that I just read. And this matters to us, especially as Christians, because our own minds are shaped and formed in that tradition. Our own minds follow that way of thinking because that's, that's how we've been taught to think in Western philosophy, in the Western world today, intentionally or not. There is a sense in which we accept that we are arbiters of what is true and what is worthy. And I want you to think about that, for example. Do you believe that, say, divorce is not a sin? If you, do, if, you, if you think it is not a sin, then you're accepting that you possess the right to decide what is right and what is wrong instead of following the law of God. And what God ordains is not as important as what we think. There are, many, there, there are myriad ways in which we, we hold these ideas. that God. Let's think, God wants us to be successful. Scripture never says that at all. Never. Um, you know, God wants us to be wealthy, or he wants us not to be sick. Uh, he wants us, I mean, all these different things, we have all these beliefs, and those come out of the American tradition, the Western tradition, where we get to define reality, and my reality is I am like, um, what do I say, young and healthy and gorgeous and, you know, um, I guess wealthy, whatever. What, what do we want in life? I don't know. I don't, and I'm none of those things. I don't get to create that reality. That's not real. Right? As I argued in our last podcast, human nature hasn't changed. You know, it hasn't progressed at all. The tools that we have have progressed exponentially. I mean, it's just mind-boggling. But the essential human nature that we have has not. We are no more advanced than Adam and Eve coming out of that garden. We are just like them. We're still selfish, proud, arrogant, greedy, lustful, fearful, you know, on and on and on. And such being the case, we do, we do not now have a new and improved wisdom that somehow God missed, you know. I mean, God's not looking at us going, oh, wow, oh, my me. I never, like, thought of that. They're so smart. How come I didn't think of that? God didn't do that. He's looking at us going, oh, my goodness gracious. Adam. Adam and Eve all over again in every generation. As Christians, we need to seek, we need to seek and to pray for the mind of Christ. We need to understand the world as God does, at least to whatever degree we are able. We need to tr- we need to strive for that. We need to be humble before the claims that we make and our confidence and our knowledge and wisdom today. We are living during a time of utter madness, and that is due in large degree bec- to the to the promotion of the idea that reality is within the self that we ha- that we get to determine our own reality. And here is the important thing for us to understand as Christians. All Christian belief is going to contradict that idea. All Christian belief is going to contradict that idea. Reality is what God created. It is not what we want it to be. It is not whatever we want to make it out to be. It is what God created, and we must adapt ourselves to that. And I'm going to take that up after we take a short break. All right? I'll be right back. Elizabeth will be back in a moment. If you have questions about this or previous podcast, please send her an email. Her email address is elizabeth at servantsfeast.org. We're back now with Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. All righty now, uh, we are back after the uh, 
after a quick break. I have to tell you, I'm having the hardest time getting this podcast recorded. I have a nice little setup in my home, um, a room where I can podcast and record these things. But the problem is that since July the 4th and all the fireworks, my dog has decided that if he goes into the backyard, there are going to be many explosions going off all the time with loud booms, and he's now terrified of the backyard. And um, so he wants to be inside with me all the time. And so he comes inside and outside my door while I'm trying to record this, he can hear me speaking. So he walks around and you, all you can hear in the background is clickety, 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 click of his toenails. I'm like, okay, that's not going to work. So I finally like trick him into going outside in the daylight while it's safe and sound and there's nothing exploding out there. And what happens? Then there are lawnmowers. People are mowing the lawn. Here we go. All that. So, oh my goodness. So I, I wait until late at night, and I'm going to do that. Oh, no, we had a thunderstorm. Thank you very much. So I get up early, and I'm going to do that, and record it again. No, no, no. Now the gar- garbage truck has shown up. I'm like, wow, complex day. It is harder to get this thing uh, recorded than I want. Um, but anyway, such being the case, we are back for the second half now. And um, it seems like when I was looking at the first half that it was just a bunch of ideas from the past. And that's a sort of yes or sort of no answer. Ideas from the past are the origins for our ideas today, and that's why it's important, and we need to understand that, right? Um, I mean, after all, if you look at it uh, from a Christian perspective, Christianity is definitely inherited from our ancestors. It's an idea. It's a system of belief, and it originates in historical events around the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, if we're holding to these beliefs, uh, they, they date back two millennia, 2,000 years ago. It seems like it ought to be a good idea for us to know how these beliefs are being set aside in our society. We probably ought to know that. You know, is it a good idea or a bad idea? You know, I guess my point is that human life is always ordered by ideas in some form or fashion. It doesn't matter whether political, social, economic, religious, what. We always, uh, human life is always ordered by ideas. And the question for each of us is, are the ideas that shape um, our, li- our thoughts, our lives, our daily living, um, are the ideas that shape our being and our doing, are those Christian ideas? To what extent should our ideas change? And to what extent? I mean, should we should we give up Christian ideas because the, because we have so much more knowledge today than we had two thousand years ago, or should we embrace Christian ideas more fully because the knowledge we have now is um, not as much knowledge as we think it is? Now, I will admit to you up front and personal that I am unapologetic in my defense of traditional Christianity. I'm not even going to pretend that I'm not. I believe Christianity alone is fully true. Only Christianity. And it's not even a matter of it being a system of, of beliefs, although it is certainly that. It is, a, it is a specific way of seeing and understanding the world. It is a matter of being personally related to Jesus Christ, and I will not forfeit that for any level of presumed knowledge in our world today. In the last 400 years, which was, um, you know, from, De, from, from Descartes' time forward, from Descartes' time forward to now, um, the last 400 years have brought so, forth some really amazing goods. I, I don't want to argue that. That's true. We have advanced medical knowledge. We have increased food supply. We can travel into space, things like that. Uh, we have air conditioning. I got to tell you, I live in Houston, and air conditioning is one of my very favorite things. But the interesting thing, I believe, is that there's no reason for us to assume that any of these things would not have been discovered if we, you know, if we continue to hold on to God, if we continue to believe in God. It's not because we gave up God that we came across all this knowledge. That's not true. The Enlightenment witnessed a vast expanse in knowledge, human knowledge, 
But there, it, it didn't bring with it, the Enlightenment didn't offer any wisdom with which to understand the knowledge or to use the knowledge that we got. The, I, the ideas such as reality is within the self, such an idea as that, is not the source of scientific exploration. It is not the source of medical knowledge. It's not the source of germ theory. <laughs> Hello? Okay? That's just a source of foolishness, really. That's what that idea is. And it's also the source of indescribable horrors. Enlightenment, idea, enlightenment ideas. Ideas that are absent God are the source of indescribable horrors. Car, from Karl Marx to um, Charles Darwin, from Stalin to Hitler, we have seen the wholesale slaughter of human life on an incomprehensible scale. And, I, and we'll talk about Charles Darwin another time. I know that, that he does, we think that he doesn't belong in that. But um, I think that his ideas were just as misguided as Karl Marx. I mean, Stalin and Hitler, the ones who lived him out as, as fully as they did, an estimated 100 million people were slaughtered in the 20th century alone. Doesn't that boggle the mind? Stalin and Hitler did that. And each death is the consequence of the idea that there is no God. Each one of those deaths. Ideas have consequences. In this case, a hundred million of them dead. So as conflict and, and chaos continue around us, I want Christians to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, to remain steadfast in faith. Because a world without God is ultimately uh, becoming a world, it ultimately becomes a world without human beings. Um, the idea that we can be free and we can have freedom uh, by looking within is completely false. That's completely false. Society, a society that's built upon those kinds of ideas is destined to die because it has no understanding of human beings at all. So the society must collapse. And I think that that's exactly what we're watching happen right now as all these competing this is my reality, this is my truth, competes with another reality and another truth, and none of them are based in facts at all. They're destined to die. It falls apart because we don't understand human beings. Right off the top of my head, I can name four different things uh, that Christianity understands that contemporary culture does not, right? There's four different things about human beings, that about human life, that Christianity understands automatically. And the first of those is that human beings um, who are looking only within uh, to, to find their meaning, to find self, become isolated and they're alone. And we are by nature, human beings are by nature communal. We really cry and we need relationships. We want to be part of a community. Whether, whether No matter how much we say otherwise, we need, we need to be part of a community. Otherwise, human beings decline while in isolation. And if we don't believe that, all we need to do is look at the last year and, and the reality of, of, what the, of, of what isolation meant to so many human beings. It produced myriad forms of misery during the pandemic. You know, um, the, great human, the great American values of individuality and independence are an illusion. That's not freedom. We're not meant to be alone. We actually learned that in Genesis 2, but we're not meant to be alone. We're be we belong in community. The second thing is about human beings being alone. The second, the second point that comes to mind when I think about the ideas and stuff um, and the failure to understand human beings. The second thing about human beings being alone is when we strive for self-determination, when we strive for autonomy, we will never be satisfied. Never. Freedom as 
it is understood contemporarily, will produce misery. It's inevitable. It always will. I was, uh, we can spend our entire lives struggling, and I think this is unbelievably tragic, uh, but we st- but people will spend lives struggling, trying to fulfill wants and desires, and, and the, they won't, that won't lead them to happiness. They still won't get to happiness. They're going to arrive at some spot and go, you know what? I need something more. Uh, a couple of years ago, I saved the article because I was just so blown away by it, but there was an op-ed piece. There was an article written on an op-ed piece by Andrea Long Chu, and if you don't know uh, Andrea Long Chu, she was a man who transitioned, I believe, into a woman and is a writer for the New York Times, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, um, but the, the whole the whole point of the article, her article, was that she wanted a vagina, and I gather she probably now has one, but... Um, she knew that the hormones were making her suicidal, you know, and nevertheless, she wanted to be a woman, right? And um, before the surgery, she talked about walking with her girlfriend. So that meant as a man, she had a girlfriend, but she wanted to be a woman, which I guess would now mean that she has become a lesbian. I don't really know. I haven't followed it. But whatever else is true, she knew before the surgery that she would not be happy. that she would be miserable and um we can never attain happiness because we do not understand ourselves when we look within we're not going to attain happiness we do not know that that the hunger that drives us the hunger within us derives from the soul because we don't even know that we have a soul we don't teach that in society we won't talk about it anymore we don't even know what a soul is for even if we've heard of it but we do have a soul And it never ceases to be hungry and never ceases to desire to be satisfied. The third thing is that human beings um, who are separated from their rightful position as the image of God, that's that's what human beings are, the image of God, right? And if you're separated from that, uh, separated from, from being creatures who are uniquely valuable to God, right, because we're made by Him, uh, loved by Him, people who are separated from that, do not hold any intrinsic value at all. Human being, human life does not. God established the value of human life when he created human beings and gave them life and said, this is my image, this is my likeness. And when you take that away, human beings cease to have value greater than any other animal. Again, witness. 100 million people, never even bad enough. And finally, what Christianity understands most of all is the human capacity for sin and evil. You know, Christianity understands that we need to be saved from ourselves instead of wallowing in the self, which is what everything in society encourages us to do. Let's wallow in the self, right? I want to return to Jesus' conversation with the Jews in John 8 and read the larger context now. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say you will become free? And Jesus answered answered them, Truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And this is what Christianity offers above all else. Uh, it, it, it cannot be found anywhere but in Christianity, and that is freedom from sin, freedom from slavery to sin, because sin, sin does enslave us. It holds us, and it binds us and restricts us. 
It does not set us free in, in embracing sin and saying, you know, in the absence of a Savior, if you don't have a Savior, the only choice to be made is to glorify sin, to lift it up and say, oh, well, sin is desirable. We're for sin. That's a good idea. And, and sin is normal. We need to accept that because, um, because everybody sins, right? There's so many ways in which human beings today are slaves to sin. It is, it is tragic. It is unbelievable. It's beyond, um, I don't know, it's just heartbreaking to me that we enslave ourselves to sin and then call ourselves free, right? Uh, let me give you a personal example that's really common. When I used to smoke, and um, I must have quit probably, I don't know, a dozen times in my lifetime trying to, trying to quit smoking because it's bad for you. There is nothing to commend the habit. It smells bad. It's expensive. It's terrible for your health. Nobody else likes it. It ruins your clothes. The, the smell sticks with you forever. And, you know, I mean, there's just, there's just nothing to commend the habit except for that I really liked it. Just for the record, I really enjoyed smoking. It was one of my favorite things. And um, I must have quit a dozen times. But I stopped by praying the Jesus prayer. That's how I finally stopped. And if you're not familiar with the Jesus prayer, it goes like this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. And I would pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me from cigarettes. Save me from my attachment to that which is killing me. Um, I must have prayed that 100 times the first three or four days and 50 times the next week or two and 25 times a day after that for two or three months. I don't know. It went on forever. But eventually, I no longer wanted cigarettes. What do people do with sin if they do not have Jesus to help them? I mean, to give, if, they don't, if people don't have Jesus to give strength and to encourage them, how do we tolerate living with ourselves if there's never any forgiveness or, or mercy for us? Can you not look within yourself and acknowledge those things that are so awful and that you hope no one ever sees them? I mean, we all have them. They're, they're petty judgments against others. There are nurtured resentments toward people or toward circumstances. There are nagging hatreds of, of behaviors or, or, other, or other people or differences or whatever. You know, we all have those things within us. You know, and what do you do if there's no forgiveness or mercy, no hope of overcoming and defeating that? How do you nurture those and say, hey, this is a good idea. Everybody's like this. Let's just, let's just increase the hatred. What do you think? Let's try to build on that and inflame it. Because it's a sin I can't defeat. Therefore, it's a sin we must celebrate. Hatred. Boy, not much of that in society today, is there? Freedom is a gift. And it comes with the dignity of being loved by God. And we are loved beyond our wildest dreams. We are loved with a love that is all-consuming. And it calls us out of ourselves and into the heart of God. Now, the desires and the passions of the human heart are not so much wrong as they are misguided. Some are evil, but most of our desires and our passions are God-given. They are instilled in us when we were created. That's why we hear people say all the time, oh, I was born this way. Well, yes, we were instilled with all sorts of desires and passions in our creation, but those have harmful expressions now. Uh, They come out destructive to us and hurtful to others because these are now marred by sin. Uh, So the passions of our, our heart, our wants, our desires begin they they begin being marred by sin right true freedom freedom comes when we turn to jesus christ and we're like little children and we cry i can't help me save me and then we let him draw us up to rest in the heart of god you know we can be content in the certainty of his love 
Jesus sets the captive free. Jesus breaks the sin, the, the chains of sin. Jesus calls us to radical freedom in him. It's a freedom that is to be far more than we ever imagined we could be. And we're going to need that. We need to, to be certain of that, and we need to be able to live in that, because I think the hostility toward uh, authentic Christianity is only going to increase in the months and years ahead. And I don't know how long it's going to go like that. I, I, I'm not, I can't foresee the future. But I do trust in Jesus Christ. And that trust is born of a deep personal relationship with him. And it is, it is a threat to the godless. And that's who we need to be is a threat to the godless. Because it reveals the lie of self-determination. It reveals the lie of autonomy and independence. Those things are not freedom. Those things enslave. They leave you isolated and alone, pursuing passions and chasing desires that will never bring you happiness, contentment, or joy. When we truly live the Christian life, when we walk in the presence of Jesus Christ, then we become a light that reveals the deep darkness around us. We reveal the despair of nihilism and the utter pointlessness of human life separated from its creator. When we live in true freedom that comes from Christ alone, that can never be taken away. I don't know. That's plenty for us to think about for today for which Christians ought to be grateful today. I don't know what comes next. But I know that God is good and we can hold tight to that. And freedom comes in the certainty of God's goodness. Let's close with a word of prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O God, to call your people, to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. Send your spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, and to remind us throughout each day of your infinite wisdom, as well as the safety we find in the shelter of your love. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, until the next time, y'all be blessed. You hear? You have just heard the latest podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. Also, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as we continue to explore God's truth as it speaks to our world today with transforming love for all people.